We couldn't possibly let it go for less than 20 grand and then you eventually get it for five. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Pick and Chips. Super Bowl 55 is just a few days away. Today we've got a slew of guests. First of all, returning for his second helping is the host of Pigskins and Politics, though he's changing the name of that. Uh, it's Brian McFadden. Welcome back, pal. Nate, thanks a lot for having me back. Uh, I guess I didn't uh, screw up too bad the first time. Qualified for a second invite. And yeah, as you mentioned, we're, we're rebranding uh, to the Pigskin Party Podcast. Thought that was appropriate for Super Bowl week. Nice, yeah. No, you, yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on before, and you know, it's just nice talking to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> well, thank you. I do my best. <laughs> uh, also joining us today for his first taste of pick and chips is a fellow Stevenage fan, but we won't talk about that. Uh, and obviously, more importantly, a member of the Long Snapper podcast is Pat Jackson. Thanks for the invite, Nate. Glad to be here. Brilliant. Okay, so you're a Jags fan. Why? Why? Well, I mean, my surname's Jackson, and I started following the NFL the same season they started as a team. And, you know, us Brits, we like to support the underdog a lot of the time, and there's not much more underdog than a team in their very, very first season who shares your name. So jumped on that bandwagon early. And they've continued to be an underdog for the rest of their existence. We've not had many good years in the last 25 (laughs) years, but, you know, I'm hoping this is the start of a, a burgeoning golden decade for us. We'll see. Oh, hopefully not. But talking of a, a potential upswing in your fortunes, what are you expecting from, from your boys next season? I mean, if they don't draft Trevor Lawrence, we'll implode before the season's even started. And then, you know, you don't expect to go all the way with a quarterback in his very first season, but we should then have at least like five years with him on a rookie contract to build a big squad around him. So I'd be expecting deep playoff pushes in like two or three years' time and hopefully like a 10-year dynasty is the ideal. Uh, uh, okay, nothing could be further from what I want there. But you know, you don't get I mean, what the you Colts want very are often. With football, like a uh, quarterback retirement home, aren't they? Really? So uh... they are. So you know, maybe we'll take Blake Bortles or something. <laughs> right, let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Anyway, um, also joining us today for the first time, we've got a reporter for British Muslim TV, uh, a writer for the Last Word on Sports and the Sporting Blog. It's Ross Crawford. Welcome to the show, pal. I mean, I feel a little bit outnumbered. Any English football fans, our version of football, will uh, know of Carlisle United, who are deep rivals of Stevenage. So that's that's yeah. my burdening team. Um, but as for American football, um, New Orleans Saints fan. Thanks for having me on, though. <laughs> no problem. If if I knew you were a Carlisle fan, I might not have actually asked you. But, yeah, um, I tricked you. I tricked you. <laughs> but never mind. Um, so, you, as you mentioned, you're a Saints fan. How did that happen? Uh, well, needless to say, I was a little bit of a glory hunter. The first game I watched was but way back in 09 was a really a great year for Saints fans. It was actually during the regular season, to be fair, though. Like, not complete glory hunter, right? Well, it wasn't Super Bowl then. Yeah, it was, it was first game on Sky, first game I ever watched. Followed the gate, followed the team, and then obviously went on to Super Bowl glory down in Miami. Um, Let's talk and, about that. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, well, maybe. Again, I'm not really doing myself any favours already here, Nate, but... Uh, <laughs> no. It's not been the best of starts, no. It's only um, up from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've. Uh, it's looking like we've seen the last of Drew Brees. Uh, are you disappointed 
about that, or was it kind of more of a relief at this stage? Yeah, if anybody saw the Bucks game, I think uh, we all know it was time to go. Yeah. Um, personally, that's my own thoughts on it. I, my bigger worry is than quarterback is just the whole cap situation and what we're going to do for next year. We've got we're going to have Mickey Loomis and uh, the the front office going to have to do a lot of work for next year to just put a good competitive roster together because there's a lot of guys that need to be paid and we are running low in cap space if not way over. So it's uh, Tay Tay then for. Uh... For quarterback for you, for the future is it? Yeah, well, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. The the action man do it all start. Uh, as much as I'm a big fan of him, he's only had four starts or something like that. He needs he needs a lot more uh, reps under his belt before I'm. Good. I can sure. say he's going to be the starter, but um, we're gonna have to figure something out. Hopefully, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, they can they can figure something out. Yeah. Okay. Right. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so before we before we take a a nosedive into Super Bowl Fifty Five. Um, we're just going to have a look at a little bit of the news that's dropped this week. I'm not going to start with the obvious one. Uh, we'll, we will get to it. Um, but I saw a, a tweet from from a, uh, a, I think he's a Houston-based journalist, John McClain. Um, I thought maybe he was just a diehard fan, but um, apparently not. Um, and he said that they've got a firm starting price for Deshaun Watson, and it's two firsts, two seconds two other picks and two young defensive starters minimum. Now I look around the league and I just don't see a team that's going to be willing to give up that much. Can someone enlighten me? Uh, yeah. I, I don't think any, but I, I don't, I think that's just something Houston have to say. They, they, you know, at the moment it looks like Watson holds all the cards um, and for, so the Houston GM, the Houston front office, they have to come out and make a, a strong statement to the public about what it's going to cost uh, a team to get Watson. So I think it's just something they have to say. Realistically, the floor for that deal is probably maybe three first rounders, something like that. But I, I don't know if anybody even then is going to be willing to give up that for Watson. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Ross. Here's, I think the Houston front office not surprisingly, is bungling this entire thing. Uh, the, everybody knows that Watson has the power. He's got a no-trade clause, so he gets to control his destination. He doesn't have to report to camp. There's some fines that are involved, but they're pretty minimal for a player that's already signed a big contract like him, and it's been reported that Watson doesn't really prize money. Like He's, he's clearly willing to sit out. He already took all the Texans references off his his social media, which that's like the players' thing nowadays, right? As soon as they remove all the all the the, the mentions of their team, then, then they're out the door. Uh, and you get uh, at uh, David Culley's introductory press conference, and Nick Casario was speaking, and he's saying like, "Oh, the the player, like we have no interest in trading him," and they have to say that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me, as Ross is mentioning, they're putting this stuff out there for leverage. But the thing is, the rest of the NFL world knows what the situation is with Watson. And, and I don't think they're going to start with that insanely high asking price. There was a story in the New York Post uh, a couple weeks ago that Deshaun Watson liked an ar a, a article that said, oh, he might go to the Jets. And, and it was a whole new story around the fact that he hit like. So yeah. it's crazy that this is this. These become insane, stories. Yeah. I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that the 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 big market thing doesn't really pay pay too many dividends for those teams in 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 this, you say that you know he doesn't seem to be someone that 
money is the be all and the end all. I'm really hoping that pays true because I just can't stand the thought of him in New York or Pittsburgh or somewhere like that. It's sort of awful. I mean, as much as I don't want to see it as a Saints fan, um, the one I've seen thrown out there that not a lot of many people are talking about, I think, is the Falcons. With uh, down in Atlanta, they have the fourth overall pick. There's a new head coach in there, a completely new GM. They want to do things their own way, make a stamp. What a better way to get, than to get rid of the veteran Matt Ryan, who's kind of been lackluster the last couple of years. Maybe even give the him, uh, give the Texans Matt Ryan fourth overall pick, first rounder next year. Who says? I think the problem with Matt Ryan is he's got an awfully expensive contract for the standard of quarterback play you're going to get out of him. I saw him touted as a option for the Colts, but I, I'm hoping that contract is a little bit too too much for the Colts. Maybe you know, maybe Houston being the dumpster that it is just jumps on it. Yeah, I mean, as, as we've seen this week, a mediocre quarterback on a big contract isn't necessarily a complete roadblock for a trade, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get onto that. I think the, the the statement around Watson's price smacks of um, kind of used car salesman coming in. Oh, we couldn't possibly let it go for less than twenty grand, and then you eventually get it for five. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, that's ex- exactly the point I was trying to make, and uh, this is what they have to say. I love the used car salesman reference that because that, you know what, that's kind of what this front office is. Um, you know, Jackie used to be uh, it just made a mess of the entire situation, um, and they're gonna act like a sleazy salesman. And the, the difference is the reason why you're able to get that car for five is because you know better because you did some research going in, and the rest of the NFL is aware of this. I love Atlanta as a mention, Ross. I didn't know. I hadn't thought of that yet. He's a so Deshaun Washington is originally from Georgia. He went to high school in Georgia before going to school in South Carolina. My pick for him was actually Carolina because of similar reasons. It's already been reported that the Panthers are going to be aggressive. So if there's a team out there that's willing to part with that capital, Carolina could be it. He went to school in South Carolina. He's from Georgia. He'd be the face of Charlotte and that franchise. Matt Rule is a player's coach, so it'd be a big change over his time with with Bill O'Brien. Um, so yeah, uh, the NFC South in general could be interesting. Yeah, again, as much as I don't want to see it, I want to see him in a Saints uniform personally. But I just think it's going to take a top 10 pick so that Texans can pick a quarterback straight away, someone that the coach down there wants, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's anyone else in that top 10 area that you're going to get. The the top 10 is valuable this year because there's at least three or four quarterbacks. Zach Wilson with BYU is another one. that are, They're worth, worth selecting this year to give them a shot. It, Future picks, as we've seen, I don't know how much value there is in that. Um, I think you need something you can tell your franchise, tell your fan base, we're, we're going to fix it now if we're going to trade uh, trade Watson this offseason. They, they needed a solution quickly, if that is the case. And, and you're 100% correct. This is a very top-heavy quarterback class. So uh, I haven't dove deep into the research yet, but from what I'm seeing, there's not a lot of great mid-round quarterback prospects so if you don't get one of those top four or five, you mentioned Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, maybe from North Dakota State. He only played one game and then opted out for the rest of the season. Um, Zach Wilson, BYU, Justin Fields, uh, yet maybe Mac Jones, Kyle Trask is being thrown around, but a lot of people say he's not an NFL starter. But the point is they're all top heavy. So you're right. They may be looking to not just get a first round this year, but to get a higher first round pick so that you can soothe the fan base. Like, hey guys, yeah, we got rid of Deshaun, but but we're going to have a top pick. We're going to draft a rookie quarterback. But this is also, we're assuming that the, the Texans are actually going to do the smart thing where they haven't shown that, that yet. The um, big early rumour was um, a trade to the Dolphins with two ago in the other way. Have you got thoughts on that? Only because I'm a huge diehard Dolphins fan. 
Uh, and then I'd love to hear outside perspectives on this. So I'm, I, I, I like Tua. Uh, I think it's too early to, to kind of judge his performance after nine games. There's been tons of stats and quarterback rankings of their rookie seasons. What Peyton Manning threw nearly 30 interceptions his rookie season. Clearly he did okay. Nate can attest to that. Um, but, but he showed enough flashes to give it another chance. Now, that being said, no matter who you are as a Dolphins fan, if you get the chance to land Deshaun Watson, you clearly take Deshaun Watson, but at the right price. And that's the thing is I don't think uh, Chris Greer, GM of Miami, and Brian Flores are willing to part with so much draft catapult that would be required. It may not be as crazy as they're saying that Ross mentioned earlier, but it's still going to be high. So I just don't see the Dolphins actually putting forth that when they've done so well with what they've had already. Like why sell the farm for, for one player? So would I like to see it? Sure, but I don't think it's going to be the right price in Miami. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that's the problem with the, with the uh, early Miami rumors. It was kind of... Just sort of uh, jump diving off the deep end, wasn't it? And going, oh Miami, because um, obviously you know it, it'll be a it'll, it would be a good tie up. But I think the price, if you, on reflection, the price for Miami would be way too high. You know, you, you've got a team there that are on the precipice of being division champions, or at least challenging for division, the, the, the division championship, and then making making the playoffs on a regular basis over the next five ten years. The, the distance they are from from that, you know, with about 30, 25, 30 million in cap space and a good selection of picks from Houston, none other, none other um, over the next couple of years, it's going to cost them all of that to get Watson. Why? It doesn't make sense. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't make the team weaker or you wouldn't stay with the weaker areas of the team that you need to focus on in the next draft and free agency and what have you. You wouldn't blow all of that to go and get a star quarterback, but not a star quarterback that's going to take you to a championship. I just think it'd be the biggest irony if the Dolphins just hand Houston Texans all their draft picks back to go get Deshaun Watson. I just think taking your own draft capital and then we'll just take your quarterback uh, with those draft picks, actually. I just think it'd be a little bit of... It would be beautiful, but Houston would want more. those, Those picks wouldn't be enough. You'd have to spend too much. Well, I think I agree, but once again, we got to come back to what we were talking about earlier. Houston may want more, but they not they might not be able to get more. And if NFL teams realize that there is not as much, they don't have as much leverage. Houston doesn't have as much leverage as, as they're claiming to. That Deshaun can just say, "Nope, I'm not going there." Oh, I don't care what they offered you. I'm not going there. And I think the reason the Dolphins were thrown out is because obviously they have a lot of draft capital, but because there were reports that Watson actually said, "I'd love to go to the Jets." Or the Dolphins, like those were his top two choices. I think they they have they both have minority coaches now. The Salas there, they're 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 real players types coaches. I think that he wants to play for a coach that he likes. So he's not going to go to New England. Nobody likes Belichick. He's great. He's the goat. Yada yada. But nobody likes playing for him. So I think that's one of the reasons I thought about the Panthers and Matt Rule. So I think we we can't underestimate how much power Watson has in choosing his destination, regardless of what kind of offers Houston gets. We're going to move on. To Matthew Stafford, who's been traded to the uh, from the Detroit Lions to the uh, Los Angeles Rams in return for Jared Goff, a 2021 third round, and then a first round pick in both 2022 and 2023, which means the Rams have had no first round picks from 2016 all the way through to 2023. Sean McVay and his side are certainly in win-now win mode. The thing that the thing that worries me 
for Sean McVay there is that offence, even with Matthew Stafford, is not good enough. They've got to do some. They've got to put together some real impressive pickups during free agency. I think on a why they they need a they need a they need a they need to strengthen that wide receiver core at least with a bit more quality in depth, if not improve their first their first receiver. Yeah, and I think I think their biggest need there is an additional weapon at wide receiver. They have two great wide receivers. The problem is Cup can't stay healthy. He has been injured at some point nearly every season that he's played. When he's in, he is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And you get Robert Woods on the outside. Tyler Higby didn't do as much this year, but he really showed up last year. You've got some weapons. Akers at the end of the season, that offense runs best with a stud running back. When Gurley was at his peak, that's when they went to the Super Bowl. He dropped off, the offense dropped off. So if Akers can play like he did towards the end of the season, if Cup can stay healthy, but that's a big if. So I do agree that they're going to need to get another playmaker. But still, how much of the offensive struggles were because of golf? You know, we say the offense wasn't that good, but I think a lot of it was on golf. He's been regressing since that that first season with McVay, his second season as an uh, NFL starter. Getting as somebody like Stafford, it's not a uh, leaps and bounds better quarterback, but still across the board, better, more consistent quarterback. I think that offense could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, the drop-off when Wolford came in to uh, replace him when he was injured wasn't as marked as expected. And that's a mark of just how much Goff had regressed and was holding back the rest of the offense, I think. Yeah, regressed, but is is Stafford that much better? I I I, I think he's he's fine. He's decent. Um, but I, the one thing I would say is though, I think a lot of people would say his injury history record isn't that great. If you look at it, it was only really those first two seasons he missed about 22, 23 games, and then he started every game, played every game for the next eight seasons, something like that, and then missed uh, half the season two seasons ago. I think it was twenty nineteen. Uh, played all sixteen games this last season. So I don't know where this uh, idea, this myth of Matthew Stafford being uh, like injury prone has come from. Like it comes from just those first two years and everyone watching that one mic'd up episode where he hurts his shoulder and plays for the injury. Like it's all come from that one mic'd it's up a great, episode. It's a great clip to be fair. <laughs> Quality, love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I would have Matthew Stafford in, in pure, if you just go pure talent wise, Matthew Stafford is a top 10, possibly top 5 in the league quarterback. Jared Goff, top 20. Fifth, I'd have him low, low teens, 15 to 20 somewhere. I just watch him and I, there's nothing impressive about you. The Rams got to a Super Bowl in spite of you rather than because of you. And I think the, the big difference is, I, I agree with you, Ross, that it's not a huge upgrade. It's clearly not a huge upgrade, but there's a couple things you get. I think it's a huge, huge upgrade. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nate thinks it is a huge. Well, it's what I mean is uh, on, on, its, on the surface, it's not a huge upgrade. But there's two things primarily that, that is a big boost. One is the arm strength, uh, which is clearly head and shoulders above what golf had. But more importantly, it's his consistency. Stafford may not be. I actually don't agree that he's a top five. Top ten, certainly. But the thing is, you know what you're getting with Stafford. You surround him with the right talent, with the right play calling. He's going to give you a solid game. He's going to throw a couple touchdowns, uh, usually have 250, 300 yards. The thing is, golf would be so up and down. You never know which golf you were getting. He could have games like that Chiefs game from two years ago where they each scored 50 points and he, they're just dueling it out where he's got 500 yards and four touchdowns. And then you have games where he's got like 185 yards and like 50% completion percentage and two interceptions. So that's the thing is they're looking for more consistency. McVay doesn't want to have to coach around his quarterback. 
Yeah, I, and I agree. I, I think I just think it's, it's very dangerous territory if we're just giving Matthew Stafford a pass for 11 years of a career. Um, you know, I, I think 11 years worth of a career, no playoff wins. And it's very easy to say, oh, it's the head coaches he's had with Jim Schwartz, uh, Jim Caldwell and uh, Matt Patricia recently. Like, If you're just going to write off the coaches and you, if does Matthew Stafford make everybody better around him, like he's been a system. It looks like he's been a system quarterback all his career in that case, if he's still not only been to the playoffs twice not had a win yet like is is are you all are you really banking your Super Bowl hopes um on Matthew Stafford I don't think he's he's proven that he's worth that much faith um interestingly I was just uh, because you know I I, I said that uh, the Rams are really gonna have to do some make some moves in uh, free agency and the draft looks like it's gonna have to be the draft because they're cap space and this is before Goff is being listed as dead money uh, their cap space is negative thirty-one million. Yeah, I mean this has been the the way under the under Sean McVay, right? It's it's pay people now, we'll figure it out later. That's that's kind of been the way with them. That's going to be the way probably throughout McVay's career. I think they just they'll just figure it out. They obviously have some good front office members in there that move the money around and add on dummy years to contracts, things like that. A bit like the Saints, actually. I know all about dummy years and contracts. I was, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Is that that's actually exactly what the Saints have done, and and that's the whole win now mentality. The Saints. They knew they were coming up on the end of Drew Brees' career. They wanted to give every, do everything they could to try to win a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, it came up short. McVay's taking the exact same approach. He's got to, Aaron Donald is turning 30, still the best player in the NFL. Um, you've got both your wide receivers are in their upper 20s or 30s. You've got these, these players that they're, they're in their prime now, but they're probably only got two to three more years left. So they're going to throw all the chips in, try to find a way to make it work, and hope that Stafford was the missing piece. Going into a bit more detail on their, their cap, uh, Leonard Floyd's base salary is zero. He's just he's. He, I mean, the cap number for Leonard Floyd is three point three three million. Well, he flopped in Chicago, right? He was just released, and the they Rams signed him to a prove it year deal this year, and I think he's going to earn a bit more money next he year. Proved, he he certainly proved it, didn't he? Yeah. Good he's going he's going to earn some uh, good money this off season. He might not even stay with the Rams given their cap situation. Colts will just let. Uh, Looks like they're letting Justin Houston go, and there's some other possible movers uh, from the Colts in that in that sort of area. I'd be quite happy to, to pick him up. <laughs> Take Floyd, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a great edge rusher, really, really good. He's he's really proven it this year. But is it because of Aaron Donald, like the pushing pushing quarter, pushing the pushing the pocket? I mean, Donald leads the NFL in double teams and triple teams. So anybody who's got some talent, if as Ross mentioned, if you're Occupying, you got somebody else who's occupying three fifths of the offensive line on any given play. That's going to free you up. Um, but I think this is uh, to to mention your point, Nate. This is going to be a destination for veterans who want to give it one more shot. They'll sign a one year deal to come to to LA, thinking that hey, this is was the best defense in the NFL and in twenty twenty. They've got offensive pieces, and now they've got an upgraded quarterback. They've got McVay, the the young boy genius, <laughs> calling the plays on offense. You know, let me play my a cheap deal one year deal over there and, and see if I can win myself a, a championship before I retire. Yeah, the double team point is a great point. So we saw last year a massive drop off in production from um, Josh Allen and that can be taken back to the loss of Calais Campbell in the summer and all of the attention that he took up from the offensive line and to a lesser extent in Gokwe, I think. Yeah, and just 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 lean, leaning onto that mentioning the fact that part of that was obviously going to be the fact that he's next to um, Aaron Donald 
Colts then could be a good landing place with uh, DeForest Buckner in there, who who is second or third behind Donald as defensive lineman. He's a beast. He's, um, a beast. he's a, yeah, and you know he's a young, very athletic, big dude. Colts have got an absolute star there, um, and you know we've got him signed up for four years or something now. That was a brilliant trade by the Colts. Fantastic oh, trade. I, I can't believe it only cost one first round pick. It was the best pick of the first round for any team last <laughs> year, quite frankly, trading for him. Um, right, so what we're going to do is we're going to move on now um, and we're still not going to talk about the Super Bowl yet. We're going to have a little quiz, lads. Oh, quiz thing. We're going to do the not-so-big-fat NFL quiz of the year. I've just got 10 questions for you. Just about the season just gone. Uh, the prize at the end is simply the honour of having won and probably an obligation to to uh, return to next year to defend your title. <laughs> and to make things a little bit more interesting, the scoring on one or two of these questions is going to be completely and utterly arbitrary. I'm, I'm just going to give you a score for however I feel, quite frankly. So Nate's just going to pick whoever he likes best. <laughs> 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 so, quite frankly, Carlisle and Jacksonville are shit Yeah, I was going to say, I've not done myself any favours with my intro. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here we go. Question one. How many total points were scored in the 2020 regular season? The closer you are to the answer, the more points you're going to get. We'll start with Ross. How many points were scored? Oh, mate. That's, that's, that's hard. That is hard. <laughs> Hang on. Let me do some maths. Let me do some maths. Okay. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll come back to you. Uh, Brian, how many points were scored in the NFL? In the regular season. Total NFL, so every team, every game. Every team, like 17 every weeks, jeez. 17 uh, weeks. See the abacus is going behind everyone's eyes. Let's say 4,300. That was super, okay. super rough math in my head, so Ross is probably going to do better than me. Yeah, with I know, I was scribbling. I am taking this seriously. I've not had a pub quiz in about a year due to the closures here. So <laughs> if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to win this one. I'm going to go a lot higher. I'm going to go 6,700. I've got to 4,500 with my own internal abacus, so when Brian said his figure, that made me feel a lot better about my maths. So 4,500? Yeah. I should say I was really bad in maths. Right. Well, you're all awful at maths. Yay. Um, the answer was 12,692 wow. points. Wow. Wow. Jeez. Uh, hey, I was, I was halfway there. Yeah. Oh, um, halfway there. So what we'll do is we'll give uh, Brian the furthest away one point, Pat two, and Ross four, because he was a lot closer than the other two. Now that I did calculations, like I could have been, yeah, but that's basically 25 points per team across 16 games for all 32 teams. Wow, that's an insane year. My my, my one sum I did on my notepad was 30 times 10, so that, that's 30 points <laughs> for 10 games in a week. And then and then, I just, then I figured out from there. <laughs> I got no. No more math there. questions. <laughs> Question two. It's going to be a little. It's, this one will probably be a little bit easier. Which quarterback scored fewer passing touchdowns than he did rushing touchdowns? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Any other suggestions? Nah, mine was Cam. Correct. 
pure and simple. I said that one was going to be an easier. He threw 10 touchdowns, but rushed for... Uh, sorry, he threw 8 touchdowns, but rushed for 10. Uh, let me just update the scores there. Okay, so... Which wide receiver has the longest average yards per reception? I'm going to say Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'll throw out Tyreek Hill, but I don't think that's him. I was thinking Chase Claypool. Ah. You're all wrong. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That makes sense. 690 yards off of just 33 receptions, which is an average of 20.9 yards. And how many drops? Um, How many drops? 32 drops. (laughs) That's not the question, Pat. (laughs) Don't matter, does it? Um, well, to us, it doesn't matter to us. Um, which team equaled the record for the most touchdowns allowed during a season? And you can have a bonus point if you know who they. You can take a punter who they tied with. Most points allowed. Most the, mo- the most, most touchdowns touchdown. allowed. Um, I'll say the. New York Jets, just because of how bad they were, and I don't like Greg Williams, even though he won us the Super Bowl. I'm going to say the Seahawks, although their defense got better towards the end of the year, but I'm going to go with Seattle. They were setting defensive records, the wrong kind of records at the beginning of the season. They were. They were, and that's a very good shout. It's wrong. It's wrong, but it's a good shout. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, trying to remember who was really poor on defense last year. Let's go with the Cowboys. They were very leaky at the start of the year. Uh, they they have the record. They tied the record for the most touchdowns allowed at home, but uh, that's not the answer. The answer is the Detroit Lions. Ah. Somewhat unsurprisingly, with sixty-eight. Wow. Anyone want to take a guess? Of the uh, team they equaled could be the Saints, to be honest. The Dolphins last year? Nope. Was it the 0-16 Lions tying their own record? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good guess. Again, somewhat surprisingly, no. Uh, It was the Baltimore Colts in 81. Uh. Um, Okay, so uh, absolute stud of the year, Taylor Heineke, managed only the second touchdown of his career in Washington, uh, in Washington's Week 16 loss versus the Panthers. Which team um, did his uh, passing touchdown come for? And... Who was it against? Was it the for the Panthers against the Saints? I don't have a better guess. <laughs> so we got Panthers Saints. Is that who did Tyneke play for Carolina? See, I didn't. I didn't even know who yeah. it was but yeah. prior to Washington. I think. I. I think. I think so. I don't want to give away the answer. Let Let's say Panthers against Falcons. We'll keep it in division. Huh? I'm going to go a season before that. I think I'm going to go Texans Broncos. Well, no, I don't think he played. I think he only played one snap for the Texans. Which, if he'd have, it would have passed out. If it was a touchdown, that would have been incredible. Um, no, it was the Panthers against the Falcons. Ah, oh, oh, look so at that, Brian! <laughs> Brian yeah. coming in with two two points there. Well, I, I got a little bit off Ross's answer <laughs> first by knowing he was on the Panthers. Yeah. I need to be more tactical. I keep jumping in too quickly. Yeah, wait, to wait to somebody, see somebody else answer first. Lamar Jackson had a down and then up season this year uh, and his fortunes took a significant upswing in week uh, 14 after he took a break during the fourth quarter to have a shit. He very clearly had a shit, it wasn't cramps. 
I agree. Um, who were the Ravens playing, and what was the final score? They were playing the Browns, uh, and the final score was forty-one thirty-seven. Uh, it was the I know it was the Browns. I think Brian's spot on there. Um, I'll say I think I think it was closer, slightly closer score. I'll just say 47, oh. 44. Can I can I change my score? Nope. Well then, let's go forty-two thirty-seven. Nope. Okay, it was forty-seven forty-two. Ooh. Oh, so close. But you know, you've all got the Browns right, so I'll give you. A... I got the. The reason I remember that is because they cost uh, the spread because there was a safety at the end of the game. It was a three-point game, and then there were, the Browns got a safety, so it made it five points, and a bunch of people lost the money, lost a ton of money on that. And then Twitter blew up. Exactly, yeah. as Twitter does. We, and the and the safety made the game a score of army as well. That's oh, true. I did see that. That's one of my one of my favorite accounts. Which quarterback finished the season with the lowest quarterback rating? Is there a minimum number of snaps? Um, I took it off the ESPN website and it's something really arbitrary, like 14. Dwayne Haskins? No. I can't think of who else. Who else is coming in like relief that I, I can't think of at the moment? Um, so it wasn't Haskins. Who's who's the Patriots backup? Who's Stidham. Stidham. Jared Stidham. Stidham. Nope. How about Chad Henney? Nah, he no. he played well. No. He lit up. He lit up the scoreboard. I, well, I didn't. I, know. I'll say one of the 49ers, um, uh, Bethard or Mullins. No. no. Okay. No, no. Sam Darnold. Oh bless him. What? He had a he had a rating of just seventy two point seven from his twelve games this year. Wow. Which oh, is yeah, like lowest in that. the league. Lowest in the league for something I don't know for quarterbacks. Right? 14 or 16. He popped into my head, but I was still like, no, it can't be. <laughs> you, you, like, yeah, but, no, I, when I was looking, I was like, I've got to put that in because it is ridiculous. Um, which team had the longest kick return that was not a score? I know the, Bill, the Bills had like a 101-yard interception return against the Ravens. I'm talking about kick returns, though. Oh, specifically kicks. Okay. Yeah. The Bills is... Uh, I'll just get the Chiefs. The Chiefs. That would have been my guess. Um, so I, I'll I'll mix it up. I'll say Broncos. Broncos and Pat, you uh Andre Roberts Bills. All incorrect. Uh it was uh the Carolina Panthers. Trenton Cannon uh with a return of ninety eight yards when they got battered by uh the Bucks. You made up that name. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely did not. Ross's objective. I, he shot, he shot out of a cannon. Sure, yeah, yeah, right, of course. Okay, the next next up question nine is, which teams finished with the greatest and the worst turnover difference um, this season? So I want the team with the best difference and the team with the worst. Uh, I'm going to throw my Dolphins out there for the best. Uh, they're at least in the top five. Um, worst is going to be let's say Broncos uh, I'll say I think the best could be the Bucks. I think they had a good strong second half of the year of takeaways maybe I'm just thinking of postseason but I'll say Bucks um, and worst let's go the Rams must, uh, yeah Rams this, there must be a reason they got rid of God <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean with that defence they probably had a really high number of takeaways on defense so yeah the yeah. offense would have had to go crazy 
Okay, Nate, you don't have to, you don't have to shit all over my answer. All right, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat? I'll go worst Jets, best Green Bay. Okay, so the only person who got any of that right is Brian with the Broncos. Um, and the best was the Titans. Oh, we don't like to mention them. Though, Part, no, not really. Part two of um, this question is what were their numbers? So the Titans plus... I'm going to say the Titans plus 11, Broncos minus 6. Ross? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say Titans plus 10. Um, well, we, had, we, we had a few against the Broncos, actually, because they were starting the receiver at quarterback, which was a lovely, a lovely get healthy week. <laughs> Worst NFL game in history. <laughs> I, oh, I loved it game. so much. I loved it. No, the worst, the worst NFL game in history was Colts zero, Jaguars six. <laughs> um, well, now, that had a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> but, let, but, but, but let's move on. So, um, how many for the Broncos? Yeah, I'll say I'll say minus uh, eight. Right, uh, Titans plus 12, Broncos <laughs> minus 10. Okay, so again, Brian is the only one who's got one right here. So Brian extends his lead in the quiz. Um, Titans plus 11, Broncos minus 16. 16, Ooh. wow. Uh, that's Drew Locke for you. They they have to get rid of him. Yeah, you go on. Um, and then uh, question 10. So I'm going to give you a quote. This is the worst 16-play drive I have seen in a long time. Uh, Steve Levy said this on commentary about which team. The if you know, if you know, if you know, let the others other, others answer. Uh, uh, okay. I'm well, gonna guess the Cleveland Browns. I will go Patriots. I am pretty confident it was the Cowboys um, on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. Early it on. was, it was, yep. During mm. their thirty-one to ten well points remembered. loss against the Cardinals. Um, okay, for a bonus point, complete the sentence again. I believe this was uh, from Steve Levy. Complete the sentence. Don't be confused by the thirty-one ten score tonight. It dot 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 was a massacre. Did he? Uh, did he swear? Did he say it was a shit show? Pat, what you got? <laughs> Could have been fifty. It wasn't that close. Oh, massacre! That kind of I'm in I'm in the ballpark, right? <laughs> or could have been fifty. That's that counts too. Just give us yeah. all a point for that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, don't be confused by the thirty-one to ten score tonight. It wasn't that close. Dalton, Dalton was so bad that night. That's all I remember. That's, that, that... So the scores bringing up the rear as the Jaguars do. It's Pat with four points in second. Who was leading the way? Up until the last two questions, Ross with six means our winner and the winner of the inaugural uh, not-so-big-fat NFL quiz of the year is Brian with eight points. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank the randomness of this quiz and the pure <laughs> luck, I think. And, the, <laughs> and I'm totally going to post this on all my social media accounts. So, Super Bowl 55, Sunday, the 7th of February, UK time, 11.30pm, but you know, it'll probably kick off closer to midnight, because it never actually kicks off anywhere near the time they say it will. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, hosting, ugh, 
the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in Tampa at the Raymond James Stadium. Um, the first question I've got for you, and I'm going to field it for all of you, will the National Anthem last for more than two minutes? Who's singing it? Do we know? I don't even know who's singing it. I don't know, but that is a big part of it. Um, that's, that's the context we need. I mean, speaking as a lead singer, always go for the over because you want to maximise your time in the spotlight, right? But it depends. It absolutely depends on who it is. Because if you've got someone like Lady Gaga, who I think did it last year and fell under to you, but then you've got someone like, I don't know, like a proper diva, like a Mariah Carey, who like... Probably be seven minutes... <laughs> was it wasn't it, was it Mariah Carey that did the NBA All Star Game one where she just like no no it wasn't it was the uh, um, from the Black Eyed Peas who's the black girl from the Black Eyed Peas oh Fergie yeah Fergie she stretched that thing out man it's all about how, it's all about how long you you sing the the, the land of the free <laughs> section that's where you that's where the money is that's that's yeah. I, I do want to mention something as an American. So Trevor Noah, uh, you know, from The Daily Show, I, I went to see a comedy act with him in New York, and he said that the United States is the only country where we don't just sing the anthem the way it's supposed to be. Like, every single person interprets it differently. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's our that's our weird American tradition of butchering our, our anthem. No, I quite like. Uh, uh, during England games, I quite like singing the national anthem before international fixtures. But everybody sings it the same. You know, <laughs> just sort of blast it out, don't give a shit. What? You Americans, right. you take it. So, I mean, it's not the only. It's That's not the only. Do. You take it so fucking seriously. We do. We do. <laughs> it's such a big thing. We we can't just do it the way it's supposed to be. We got to we got to turn it to eleven. I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you who it is. I see the name. I just don't know. Uh, country star Eric Church and R and B artist Jasmine Sullivan pairing up to sing the national anthem. I'm American. I don't even know who they are. But. <laughs> it's going to be a mashup, which means it's going to be really shit, which means it'll be way longer than two minutes, I reckon. So, it's so, a duet, yeah, so definitely over. Take the over. Right. The second question, and I'm going to direct this particularly for Brian. Why do you guys claim to be world champions <laughs> in a sport only to, in a sport only played by Americans? You're American champions. You're not world champions. No one else. Same with the World Series. No one else. It's not oh, just relegated. <laughs> don't. Uh, don't I think that's baseball, and I don't care. No, no, do I? But... but but why? But why do you do it? Why? Why when you win your national your uh, your national competition are you world champions? It's so unbelievably arrogant. Oh, it's it's and horribly arrogant. It it speaks to American uh, our idea of American exceptionalism, where we think, well, if we're good at here, we must be better than everybody. And is it wrong? A hundred percent, yes. But welcome to America. <laughs> I, I think it's the single greatest marketing ploy um, uh, sports <laughs> sports teams have ever come up with to get people uh, invested in the sport and start people watching it. For baseball and American just... football, truly just American sports. Um, to be yeah. call, to call yourselves world champions, we're going to Google it, aren't we? Like people abroad, we're going to Google it, <clears> and then suddenly we're interested in it, and we're learn we're learning more about the sport, right? Oh, it makes me shudder. I think I told was it you, Ross? I told off for saying calling calling it the world champions uh, earlier in the week. Oh, it's oh, I hate it. I lo- absolutely love this game, but I really hate that. So I hate it so much. I'll say that I don't call them world champions. I never have my whole life. So as the American, I don't even feel right saying yeah. that because we don't play anyone else from any other country in this competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so uh, Tampa Bay, they managed to make the bowl after having dis- uh, after dispatching Washington football team 23 points to 31. The New Orleans Saints, sorry Russ, 20 points to 30. And the Green Bay Packers, 26 to 31 during the playoffs. Kansas, on the other hand, um, they had the first round bye as the number one seed from the uh, AFC. And then they beat up the Cleveland Browns, 22 to uh, 17. And then the Buffalo Bills, 38 points to uh, 24. So, um, Pat, <laughs> picking you out of the hat there. Um, are you at all surprised that this is the this is the end result? Um, or were you kind of expecting... Oh, I mean, full disclosure, at the start of the season... I, when the Brady to the Bucks move came out, I said, "Oh, that's that's going to end in them missing out on the playoffs and an inglorious retirement." And I've been a hundred percent proved wrong on that regard. So you know, you have to take your medicine when you say these things. Um, yeah, I lost, I lost, the, I lost the bet having said something similar. Was it to you? Actually? Possibly. Well, I don't think so. I think it was too. I think the, I think the bet <laughs> was with you actually. I, I, I said that they weren't going to make the playoffs. I, I said that Gronk and Brady weren't going to be the difference. And uh, someone, someone just piped immediately up as well. I'll take that bet. Oh yeah, um, it was in our fantasy league chat, wasn't it? But it, it was. wasn't with me. Might be Paolo. Either way, yeah. But I, th- I think it's a, it's, it's the Chiefs getting there is a lot less unexpected than the Bucks getting there from the start of the season, but not from the second half of the season. And it's a really mouth-watering game we've got lined up because it's two really, really good attacking sides versus two pretty solid looking defences. There's not a lot of weaknesses either way. So, you know, it's going to be a bit of a slugfest, isn't it? Yeah. Aside from the, the general Brady hatred, it's a good game for the neutrals. Yeah. Like I said, and like you say, I think having Brady there will help the international audience. And then I think it will help uh, show them the, the new wave, which is obviously Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it, this is a real big dynasty setting game. I think a lot of people will say Brady is the GOAT and there may be people that disagree on this podcast potentially. Um, but, I think if he gets his seventh, it's very, very difficult to say that he's not the best ever to ever do it. At least, definitely the most successful. But if Mahomes goes two in a row, then he's really set to become the greatest of all time over the next ten years. He has a real opportunity. I think. I think. Um, I think uh, people, and it's not just an it's not just an American football and NFL thing. It's it's a distinction that fails to be made across all sports. Um. The greatest of all time isn't necessarily the person that's won the most. It's the person who, ability-wise, has played the game the best. I don't think Tom Brady is that person. For me, if I look at if I if I look at a thirty-minute highlight reel of Tom Brady and a thirty-minute highlight reel of Peyton Manning, obviously, obviously, for me, I think Manning was a better quarterback. Also, I mean, talent-wise, I think Andrew Luck dumps on actually both of them if I'm honest and then again Pat Mahomes who is a bit of a freak of nature I think he probably is already in the argument because he's just ridiculous so as a diehard Dolphins fan my entire life who I cannot stand Tom Brady I'm cheering for the Chiefs specifically because I want Tom Brady to lose but there's no way I could ever (laughs) say he's not the greatest to ever play the game the reason you play this game is to win now I used to make the same argument Nate as a Dolphins fan when it was Dan Marino versus John Elway, everybody's like, oh, Elway's the greatest quarterback ever. I said, no, Dan Marino, are you kidding? Look at the records, look at the stats. It's not even close, but Marino never won a Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, that's the whole reason they're playing. 
and nobody is better at winning games and has ever been better at winning big games than Tom Brady. And now he's done it with a different team and a different conference in his first year. I hope he loses horribly and goes home to his supermodel wife. Sure, <laughs> but he is the greatest. And I also agree that, and I have tweeted this out right after the matchup was set, current GOAT versus future GOAT. I think Mahomes has the ability to pass him. The fact that he's already played three AFC championships in a row, he only needs to play six more to tie the Patriots nine in a row. But the point is he's only in his fourth season. He's already won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl, and he's already in a back-to-back Super Bowl. And he's, what, 24, 25? Uh, it is, is, if he keeps on this trajectory, he, he would be the one shot to, to supplant him. But in the meantime, it, it pains me to say, but Brady is the greatest of all time to play the NFL game. To go back to the original question of uh, is, if these guys are the, the two best teams and was it expected or not, I think that final four we had um, with the Packers and the Bills, I think any kind of potential matchup from those four teams, you could probably say, oh, like they deserve to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I, th- I think this is, you know, it's maybe not everybody predicted it, sure. Um, I certainly didn't before the season started. I had, I had Seahawks, Steelers, I think, but as the season wore on in the second half of the year, I think this is definitely one of the matchups that you could easily have seen coming and um, it's going to be. Yeah. And I, I I bought into the whole uh, Rogers revenge narrative. Like I just thought he was just, they drafted Jordan love. I was riding that train. all I'm like, he's going to win MVP. He's going to be all pro and he's going to go to the Super Bowl. So I did not see, I I thought the bucks would make the playoffs. I did not see this kind of success. So I'll be the first to admit like Pat that I'll swallow my medicine I did not see them going all the way. So kudos to them for getting this far. The Chiefs, I called in the preseason. I'm like, the Chiefs are going back. They're just, they're just too good. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had um, by week two or three, I had a uh, Green Bay Bills. Uh, That's Super close. Bowl. So you no. Know. That's the Super Bowl I was rooting for last week. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, yeah. I try not to make too many really early predictions uh, i do have a history of them going incredibly poorly however um you know week two or three i've seen a bit about i've seen a bit about all everyone and i was like mm, i see i you know rogers is already playing ridiculously josh allen looks like a completely different human being and look at stefan Diggs; he's actually catching the ball and running it in and you know so let's uh let's throw my weight behind that and i think all season long I've been saying it all season long, and I'm going to say it again. I don't think the Chiefs as a whole are incredible. They've got a good team with three stars that are the different, are completely the difference. And that, but that's all you need. Sorry, Ross, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think we'll break it down more in a second, obviously. But if you're looking at the, the matchups and you're looking at the the individual units that we have with the Buccaneers, you actually look across the team, and you then you think, well. Actually, yeah, of course, they should be here. you got Tom Brady as the quarterback. The offensive line, I think everybody during the season just assumed they were awful because of that one bad game against the the Bears they had on TNF. Um, since then, I think they've been just about the best offensive line in the, in the league um, with a rookie left tackle and a uh, rookie right tackle and Donovan Smith at left tackle and just a real beefy O-line that, with their good running game there. And then you look on the... The, the defensive side of the ball and you've got the pass rushing talent they've got they've got good push up the middle now um with sue and indomitian sue's there now the linebacking core since they had devin white back has been unreal i think he, he's been 
one of the, the, the best picks in over the last couple of years in the draft. The secondary is young, but I think uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's had three picks just this postseason alone. He's come along. So I think you look at the, the Bucks roster and you think, yeah, obviously, Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the the Bucks um, offensive line finished fifth in the in the offensive line rankings. Um, and you look sort of mid to early to mid on in the season and they probably weren't inside the top 10. Um, but they really, really improved. Um, I was quite surprised to see the Browns at number one. They run the ball. They run the ball right. heavy. Nick Chubb and Hunt. I just think if you look at look at that Bucks line, maybe the statistics don't show up over the season. Like I said, they had a, they had a few struggles to start the year. Um, they shut down Chase Young in the wild card round. They they shut down the Saints D line in the second in the divisional round, which was probably the key to the game. Right, the pass rushers got after Breeze and they protected Brady against the, the likes of Cameron Jordan and Hendrickson, etc. And then they shut down the Packers uh, outside linebackers, the, the Smith brothers, who are getting paid like thirty five million um, between them. So. The offensive line have showed up big in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they're doing um they're they're they a very good um situ situa- uh, situational um unit, aren't they? They're very 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 good at playing the opponent. You know, like you don't it's not something you always see. You know, like the Browns, for instance, they have a they have a situation where we are going to run the ball for you. This is what we're doing. We're not going to adapt to you. You're going to adapt to us. Whereas the Saints. They're very good at playing the the, the defensive line. They're playing against where you know, and then you look at look at teams like the Colts on defense. They are they have a very specific way of playing, and it does hurt them sometimes. But it's a very strong way of playing. So they're very much this is how we play, and much like the Rams on defense, this is how we play. Do what you can. But the Saints are very 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 uh, adaptable, and it's sorry not the Saints, the Bucks are very adaptable, and it's pro- it's proven you know it's, it's paid dividends for them, isn't it? Uh, Ross's analysis is spot on. If we're going to zero in on two unit versus unit that I think will make the difference in this game and specifically units, because I, you know, Mahomes by himself can, can change a game, but it's going to be the chief's offensive line who has been without Mitchell Schwartz for a few weeks now. And Eric lost Eric Fisher uh, against the Browns uh, versus that Bucks defensive line, JPP and Shaq Barrett combined for five sacks. Uh, against Aaron Rodgers and part of that was Rodgers holding the ball too long but they were getting pressure constantly so that could be a difference maker but the difference is as as great Rodgers is is mobile but I think he 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 tries to do too much whereas Mahomes will always find a play so we'll see how that turns out but the other one is so these two teams have played and yes it was earlier in the season but what Tyreek Hill did to that secondary where he had like 200 yards and three touchdowns in like the first quarter that's insane. Like to, to where the point where they were just so far out ahead that they didn't have to do much else in the second half. So I think that makes the difference. We talk about those three stars, Nate, and yes, it is. Their team basically comes down, but those three stars are so transcendent. Yeah, you cannot cover Travis Kelsey as good as Devin White is going to be, has been. It, it's going to be, he can, you can, just can't shut him down because then if you do, then you've got Tyreek Hill going over the deep or running slants like he did against Buffalo. And then of course, Mahomes being just an otherworldly type player. Those two receivers, uh, Kelsey and Hill, had nearly 300 of the 340 receiving yards against the Bills. They didn't need anyone else. They just threw to Kelsey or they threw to Tyreek Hill, and they ended up just stomping on Buffalo. I think what's important here, you mentioned the Chiefs offensive line, no Eric Fisher, done one for the year out of the Super Bowl. I'm going to take you guys on a little bit of a journey to Super Bowl 50. 
The man starring at left tackle for the Chiefs this Sunday is good old Mike Remmers. Mike Remmers was made to look like an absolute turnstile for the Carolina Panthers when he started right tackle against Denver Broncos and Von Miller. He single-handedly gave Von Miller the signature moment of his career and probably just about gave him the standpoint that you can start measuring up uh, Von Miller's gold jacket now. All thanks to Mike Remmers, potentially. So Mike Remmers, has got, he's got the job of protecting uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, on the biggest stage against JPP, who's coming off, or potentially Shaq Barrett, who are becoming off, coming off five combined sacks against Aaron Rodgers. Mahomes, probably a little bit more mobile than uh, Rodgers at this point in his career. But Mike Remmers, he, he's going to have to, he, Mahomes is going to have to do something special to um, avoid hitting the dirt against uh, the Bucks this Sunday. And that's the key I'll say real quick is Mahomes will have to do something special, but he always does. Like if there's any other quarterback, 100% agreed with you. No, I'm picking the Bucks. But the fact that they have Mahomes and all they need is Hill to get open five yards, catch the ball, and then run 70 more, or Kelsey to just be a matchup nightmare. So yes, I think he's going to be running for his life, but if there's a quarterback I can count on to, to make plays in that scenario, it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and that threat of Hill and Mikel Hartman, plays like that, maybe Watkins as well, that goes up against the biggest weakness on the books, I think, which was um, Carlton Davis, because we saw him getting burnt pretty hard in the championship game. They went on to win that despite that, and despite um, Brady giving a couple of interceptions up late on. But that will probably be the key, being tidy on offence, because you can't afford to come up without points against the Chiefs on very many drives. Yeah, um, interestingly, looking at um, look, just looking more at the Chiefs, uh, Demarcus. Obviously, we've had we've had the news this week that Demarcus Robinson and uh, Daniel Kilgore have both been put on the reserved COVID list. Um, Demarcus Robinson, if he doesn't make it, it's probably not going to impact their game very much. Dan, Daniel Kilgore has had a good season. Um, they. I don't know who they've got. They both are, are sorry, got, got they're both there. slated to play because they weren't positive tests. Yeah. They were just close contacts. Uh, contacts with a barber. Right. And they've already tested negative. So as long as they keep te- they have to test negative yeah. five days in a row, they should play. Also, Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. apparently has a chance to play. Uh, oh, really? Funny, I think he's the guy. I think he's the guy. If he's full, fully fit to go, really 100% to go, um, he's the guy that had 90 yards in the Super Bowl last year. Um, when Hill didn't really step up, Kelsey was kind of quiet until the, the fourth quarter. Watkins was the guy consistently for the first three quarters that Mahomes had. Um, if he's good to go, um, we know he's a veteran receiver. He's a good receiver. He's got the track record. I'm sure Andy Reid has spent the last two weeks in uh, in his laboratory somewhere with his glasses on. Maybe maybe 20 glasses on, laser focused, trying to pick up some, uh, some, drop some nice plays just for this Sunday. Yeah, I still remember his hat trick against the Jags first week first week one season and he was also on my fantasy bench which it, 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 it makes you feel better he was on everyone's fantasy bench for that game nobody saw that coming in week one <laughs> it's true yeah I think uh, you're spot on Hill may not be the best not pure receiver in the NFL but he's the most dangerous player because all it takes is one play all it takes is him getting past your secondary deep boom touchdown change the game all it takes is him breaking one tackle across the middle and taking in an extra 60 yards. He is the single most dangerous weapon in the NFL. You throw that in with Kelsey and Mahomes, it's like they've just got too much. How do you stop all of it? And Watkins, to throw on top of that, Hardman, it's just, ah, I, it, that's why it's so hard to pick against them. They, they, the Bucks have to have a plan. Todd Bowles has to draw up a plan. And talk about Andy Reid drawing up plays. 
Todd Bowles must be sweating, losing all any little fragments of hair that he still has on that on that lovely uh, bald dome of his. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be very difficult. We've already seen it. So he had this year, as you said, in, re- in the regular season. So Todd Bowles does have four quarters of footage to look back on and say, okay, what worked, what didn't work. What didn't work was putting Carlton Davis one-on-one with Tyreek Hill. Um, so that's not going to happen. What we're probably going to see is a trying to double team Hill and Kelsey a bit like the 49ers. That's at least that's what I would do. And just let Mahomes try and go to someone else. Uh, just don't let their best players beat you, right? That's the single one rule. And that's probably the Bill Belichick rule over at the Patriots. So if they, sure, if they go to Watkins and they go to Robinson, if they have Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, fully fit, um, uh, Le'Veon Bell is another one, then sure. But make those guys beat you first and then adjust. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the uh, Buccaneers a little bit more. And I'm going to go with a little bit of a... Uh, I'm going to throw a throw a bit of a curveball out there. Um, and that is the last reference to anything to do with baseball that I'm going to say ever again. Um, I've got a feeling that uh, Scotty Miller might come up big um, once or twice this weekend. Um, and possibly... If it if it is indeed the the bucks that go on, go on to win, <sighs> uh, if it is the bucks that go on to win, um, I think he's going to have a huge game. He's going to have to have a huge game. Um, but he's been one of um, one of Brady's top deep targets. He's averaged fifteen point two yards per catch. Um, and it's certainly not someone I would have been been uh, been backing earlier on in the, the season but I think he's going to have a huge I think, he, I think if the Bucks win he has to have a huge game. Well, there's always somebody right in the Super Bowl whether it's um, Watkins last year who, who turned out to be the big the primary target we go way back I know the Seahawks lost was it Chris Matthews I think at a 100 yard game against the Patriots or something like when the game that they lost so he was undrafted free agent who barely caught a ball all year there's always somebody has to step up on the, on this kind of stage. Like you go deep in the roster for players. Everybody knows each other at this point. There's, you know, 18, 19, 20 games worth of footage to look back on uh, each other's offenses. So it's, they're going to have to go deep into the playbook, deep into the roster to find something. Scotty Miller could be the guy um, for the for the Bucks on the Chiefs. Maybe it is Edward Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell, someone like that. Um, it's going to be uh, fun to see. It won't be Bell, will it? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they um, how they sort of counter counter the, the threat of Miller deep. Um, I mean, obviously you've got Matthew who could um, could do a job, but then you've obviously got someone someone like uh, the the rookie safety um, Winfield Winfield Junior, um, who you'd probably expect to be the guy who's going to be tracking Miller for all of those deep runs. Um, you know, he's he's a pretty um, hard nosed safety, so I think he's probably probably a good shout. Um, I think Matt, I think I, I, I'm looking forward. It feels weird to say because I don't often say oh, I'm looking forward to seeing a defensive play, but I think Matthew's going to have to step up. You would expect he he will he will do the job, but I think he's going to have to step up and really marshal marshal the interior and. Um, be the be the guy stopping stopping the likes of Hilaire from busting through and going and then um you know. also the, the the if the Bucks want to stand a chance I, I can't remember it might have been Ross who mentioned or, or Pat like you can't afford a single miss and 
the drop the drops that have come from the receivers lately evans godwin that's something you cannot afford against this team all it takes is one of brady's picks was an evans bounced off his hand um and you you can't afford that you get one miss and that that's all that's like your one shot that's the thing with the chiefs is you can't afford you have to play perfect essentially the the defensive line has to get to mahomes has to make some plays and the offense has to keep up uh and and that's going to be a a tough challenge yeah i mean we if you see three turnovers against the chiefs in the second half the way the way they turned over against green bay the chiefs are going to win this by 18 19 20 points Yep, agreed. Unlike you know, they're, they're not. They're, they're, if, I would, I would go as far as saying is if you if you give them give them such good field position as they as they were giving to Green Bay, you are gonna see three seven point scores. You're not gonna see six points go up on the board. And I love that we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, uh, real quick is we're not gonna see any conservative play calling like we saw from Lafleur or like we saw from McDermott. You've got Andy Reid versus Bruce Arians. These guys are going to go for a fourth yeah. down. They're going to go They're for the jugular. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful to watch, and we're not going to see any of that playing scared football that we saw in the two championship games. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, I mean, we're not going to have Matt Lafleur um, mucking anything up this this week. We're not going to have Sean McDermott uh, call it, calling for field goals. Well enough, in last year's Super Bowl, a lot of people forget that the 49ers went for uh, a couple of field goals on fourth and short. Um at various different points in the game, now a lot, not a lot of people gave uh, Kyle Shanahan flack for that. But now we know against the Chiefs that on fourth and two in inside their twenty, you probably have to go for that. And I think Bruce Arians won't shy away from that this this Sunday. Yeah, we um we watched the Super Bowl at a, um, at a pub uh, near us um, last year, and the uh, there was the only fan of either of either of the teams. Um, in the pub was a very incredibly irritating and vocal 49ers fan who both times they they went for the uh, the field goal. Well, the first time he was like, just go for it. But afterwards he was like, okay, we got the point, whatever. Second time he was literally screaming. Um, and then uh, the almost the entire fourth quarter was him absolutely crying about Travis Kelsey. It's so beautiful. Oh, he was. I didn't really care who won, but by the end, I was so happy the Chiefs won. <laughs> My God! <laughs> Just a little anecdote for you there. Absolutely no, absolutely nothing, nothing of any sort. And I think we can all agree, whatsoever. Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic coach and one of the best offensive minds in the league. But what he did there, which is what Lafleur did and what McDermott did, is they played not to lose. And if there's any team you can't play not to lose against, it's the Kansas City Chiefs because you will lose if you play not to lose. You got to play to win. Or, or Tom Brady. You can't do it against the Chiefs. Correct. You can't do it with Tom Brady. You can't yeah. do what Lafleur did last week and give him the Horrible. ball. Horrible. With that much time on that, that much time on the clock because he will just chew you, it. You took I, the ball I, I, out I, of Rodgers' hand and gave it to Brady. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you take the ball out of the MVP's hand and give it to the Say it, the goat. <laughs> I have I have a working theory among he- NFL head coaches that they don't actually grow any testicles until year six, year seven, year eight of not winning a Super Bowl. Because I think I think anybody has shown in the last few years, Kyle Shanahan, Matt Lafleur, Sean McDermott, only less than five years head coaching experience. Frank Wright. If you go if you go longer than that uh, without winning a Super Bowl, like Andy Reid had done. Um, it means a lot more to you, and Bruce Arians, of course, as well. Not won, not won a Super Bowl as a head coach, so I think 
that's my working theory. If you don't want a Super Bowl past year five, as it being a head coach, I'm going to piggyback on that and say that your testicles keep growing because reeds and Arians have just got to be gigantic by this point. <laughs> yeah, um, I I would really. I don't, it's such a disappointing Super Bowl for me because I don't really like the Chiefs. It's the fans more than anything with them. Um, but I can't root for a Brady team as much as I. That obviously Arians was uh, took over took over as uh, head coach from uh, Pagano um, when Pagano was obviously having having his cancer treatment um, and then won Coach of the Year that year. Um, so I I have a deep appreciation and love for Bruce Arians, but I just can't get behind Tampa. I really want to. If Brady hadn't gone there, I would be. All guns blazing for Tampa. I would be, I'd be painting my face red and black. I'd be singing sea shanties to the, till the championship came home. But I just can't do it with Brady, and to a lesser extent Gronk. But Brady ruins everything for that for me. I think one. I'm sure we'll give our picks just at the, at the end here. But one caveat we have to remember here as well: last year's Super Bowl. We keep repeating. We go, we go back to it because there's a lot of uh, lessons to be learned. I think for the Bucks going forward into this Super Bowl from how the Chiefs performed last year. Um, fourth quarter, Chiefs took the lead. Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to hit Emmanuel Sanders deep down the field, 40 yards down the field, touchdown. That would have taken the lead in the last minute of the game, something like that. Chiefs then have to come back again. Tom Brady's not missing Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whoever leaks in behind the Chiefs' defence uh, in the fourth quarter this year. So if, if Brady and the Bucks have the ball deep uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter, touchdown to win the game, my money's probably on them. But I, that's, that's not necessarily my pick, which I'm sure we'll give away in a second. That's a fantastic point. I think if it comes down to that, I could certainly – that's the scenario where I see Tampa Bay pulling this out. If Brady has a shot at the end, the question is, will he even have a shot? Will they be close enough for that to make a difference? Uh like like I said earlier, I think if they if they've given the ball away on more than one occasion in that second half, I think the I think the Chiefs will stretch stretch the uh, score to be more than a single game winning drive requirement late on. Um, I'd like a bit of a nail biter with the Chiefs narrowly winning, but I'll settle for an absolute humping as well. You know? I just want to shoot out. I just want to see a lot of points. I don't want to see a defensive struggle, which I doubt we will. Yeah. But still. Yeah, the worst thing in the world would be like a what was it, a Broncos versus the the was it the Seahawks or someone? Or Patriots Rams thirteen three. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was awful. That was awful. It was dreadful. And the Patriots one, which just made it worse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, right. Well, you said you mentioned picks, so so let's let's dive into <laughs> that and let's do it, Russ. Uh. Well, score, I don't know, I'll, I'll think about the score. As, as I said, I, I, analyzing the matchups, look at Bucks, Chiefs. Everything says Bucks to me, except from Patrick Mahomes. Like, if I, if I break down the units, and my, my head's saying Buccaneers are going to pull us off somehow. Like, and Brady's going to do it, Bruce Aaron's going to get them over the hump. But I, I think the Chiefs just have a bit of magic about them. I think they're going to be the dynasty for the next five to ten years. And I think this is the... The start was last year. This is the, the step ladder. This is the next step in their um, development into turning into a real powerhouse for the next few years. So I'm going to say Chiefs, 31-27. Cool. M- uh, MVP? Um, it's going to be someone random. Let's see. Well, no, they love a quarterback, don't they? Yeah, it's going to be Mahomes. Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. Okay, and you're, you're unlikely here. My unlikely hero is going to be... Oh, good question. 
Sammy Watkins. Let's go Sammy Watkins. He repeats his, his performance from last year, had a quiet season. I think he's going to burst out this cool. year. Yeah. Pat. Brian nearly talked me round into the uh, <laughs> Chiefs Super Bowl win, but I think the Bucks have the better running game marginally. I think they have the better offensive and defensive lines, and I think he's in the trenches where these real big games are won and lost. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a narrow 38-35 Buccaneers win. MVP. MVP, I, I, you know, it would be it would be a fitting swan song if Brady won it all, got MVP, and then retired, and we never had to see his face again. So yeah, um, let's, let's have that as a silver lining. That's the only scenario I'd be okay with if they <laughs> if he just um, leaves after that. And then um, your unlikely hero. Well, we've talked about him, and he's going to need to up his game to make my scenario happen. So let's give it Carlton Davis. Nice. Okay, uh, Brian. So since the beginning of the season, uh, every week on my podcast, we make picks. I said, I will not pick against the Chiefs as long as Mahomes is healthy and starting. So I'm, I'm giving away the game from the start. I will be pick, picking the Chiefs in this one. Uh, my final score is going to be 34-28, uh, similar to what Ross said. I think it's going to be kind of similar to that Buffalo game where maybe the Chiefs had the lead and the Bucks make a little bit of a play at the end, but they're not close. I think I'd love a different MVP, but they're going to pick Mahomes. Whichever quarterback wins is going to get MVP. That's just kind of how it does. It should should have been uh, Damian Williams last year, and it was uh, Mahomes. Uh, my unlikely hero, I'm going to say McCall Hardman. Uh, it's going to be – I agree also with Ross earlier that it's going to be one of these players. They're going to do their best to shut down. Bowles is a fantastic defensive coordinator. They're going to try to shut down Hill. They're going to try to shut down Kelsey, and it's either going to be Sammy Watkins – maybe Demarcus Robinson, or but McCall Hardman just has that speed, uh, and I think he makes the difference. Okay, and I'm going to do what everybody... No, I'm not going to do what everybody thinks. I'm going to say that Brady is going to make me eat my bitter, bitter, bitter disappointment. And they're just going to have too much. Uh, I think, you know, as, we, as we've said, I think they've, they've got a better overall... Roster, like like Pat said, their running game is marginally better. You know, they're more of a committee, whereas the Chiefs lean on Edwards Hilaire. They'll get ahead early, and Brady will do what Brady does, which is just keep them ahead. I think it's going to be close. (sighs) 33 points to 30. Um, And it might be a field goal that that closes it off. How disappointing and miserable would that be? <laughs> you had a lot of trouble saying that. <laughs> they all sound like good games there. Brady will be the MVP, and I think, as I said earlier, I think Scotty Miller will step up with a couple of big scoring plays to to really kill it off and win them, win them the big one. Um, and then the Glazers will announce that they've gone bust. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be folded up and closed off, and we'll never have to look at them or Brady ever. One can hope. <laughs> Final comments on this season. Describe the season in three words. Ross. Oh, um, not that bad. <laughs> Brian. All things considered. <laughs> Brian, three words. Here's my here's my three words. It actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Let's just be happy we got here. <laughs> Pat, three words. Uh, same lines as Brian. COVID chaos success. <laughs> ah. Well, mine was surprised we're here. right okay chaps thank you very much for joining me today um we're gonna be back next week for our super bowl 55 review show i'm sure it's gonna be a great game 
So yeah, um, until next week, thank you everyone and goodbye.